like anyone's talking. They're blockers. That's not why I came to Hollywood. Fucking backwards. Shit. I hate the private player. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Hate to Break It to You. Uh, my guest today is an accomplished comedian, mm-hmm. actress, mm-hmm. writer, mm-hmm. meteorologist. I do. We only talked about the weather. And uh, she is one of the most successful people and one of the OG people and one of the realest people and one of the best people. Aww. Please welcome... Jody Miller. Yay! Everyone's like, who? I don't uh, think that. Oh, that's sweet. There's so much I want to talk to you about. But I so can't wait. I've, well, just so you know, though, and I'm sure you experienced this. Yeah. I mean, with nobody going out anymore, you're used to get you're used to getting recognized. I mean, forever. I only get recognized. Yes, <laughs> you do. Though. I can't even walk down the street. I saw everybody was camped out out front. They yeah. were like, "Let us in." Uh, you saw the hippie picnic. I know. This is this. That I deal would bother with. me so much. Oh, they come. And that they would have, really bother me. They have their little jars of pickles <laughs> they've been putting in the sun. It's just oh my yeah, god. But, um, but so you're used to getting recognized i'm used to people going i've seen you that's what i get i'd like where have i seen you are you what do you do you work at ralph's how do i know you like i feel like everyone know people like only in los angeles really when has this started i mean it's been for years and more and more as like the weather show came on and funny you should ask i get recognized a lot more but because of the lockdown covid you know, this doesn't happen much anymore. I also get recognized in town because a lot of people go to the comedy store and the improv and the laugh factory. But yesterday, everyone, I was uh, getting fillers in my face. That's so a little swollen. Yes, oh, I do fillers. See how she's honest about it. Super story. honest about it because she needs to be honest about it. And the nurse recognized me. It's the first thing she said, but she recognized me from America's Got Talent, which it's been like six years now. So it was cute. It was really, She's like, oh my. She was like really, she was very excited to. Re- okay, inject, there's a, there's, inject fillers into my face. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> with that. But here's what I want to say is you're at that part of fame where people go, I know you. And then the next level will be they know you as a role. And then the next one is they know right. your name. So it's like that next thing that pops. But don't you think, again, and you and I have talked about it, I feel like you are sort of that last generation where – when someone got famous, it was like all like you, there wasn't social media. You got famous because of movies that everyone would see and television shows. And then when social media started, you know, popping up, then there were, you know, those types of people that are famous, Vine stars, you know, Snapchat star. So you were like the last sort of like generation of people that I can say your name and pretty much everyone knows your name. And I can say, a couple people's names, and I'm not going to say now, and my friends back east will be, they're like, who? And I'm like, do you understand that they have like 2.2 million followers and they make, and they're all over the country and they perform everywhere, and they're like, who are they though? Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? A thousand percent. Um, you've said this to me, and and I've also, I've noticed it, and it's in the ether of like 90s were the last yes. stars yes. of what we call traditional media. Yes. You know, I would say early 2000s, there's people like Channing Tatum and different yeah. people. But yeah, the 90s were the last traditional yes. like audition, get a guest spot, audition, yes. get a series regular, get get a part in a movie like that way. 
and it's you know it's been disrupted from the early 2000s on it's totally it's disrupted disjointed it's weird it's it's i was thinking about it actually yesterday because i was driving past the beverly um wilshire i'm sorry the hilton was it wherever they have the golden Beverly Hilton. The, the golden globes yes and i was coming through there and i thought movies just from like COVID alone like everything has changed now i mean nobody sees any of the same movies do you remember like when they would put out the golden globe nominations and or the academy award you know nominations and all of the best film like the best film nominations everybody for the most part, has seen has seen or heard about them. Now it's like, I don't even know what's out there. I don't know what movies get out. I don't even know what's. Go- I know. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> Is the Golden Globes even happening? Yeah, like, I think they are. But it's like, I barely From know like the living movies. Room. Yeah, I barely know the movies in the last couple years, unless they were huge. But now, because they're on, like you know, and I think it's great. I think here's the thing with like all of the different platforms too, like. I think my point, and then I got sidetracked because that's what happens when you haven't seen Did you seen do it ketamine before. therapy or something before you got here? <laughs> no, but we're going to do it uh, today. I brought it, so I'm glad that we're taping this. Um, but I was, what I was saying is that because there are so many platforms, like, because you're like, oh, you're at that stage where people sort of know who you are. The truth is, is that I don't think I'll, unless I'm in a massive blockbuster, like, you know, Tiffany Haddish did Girl Trip, unless there's something like that. I'll never those the same those stages don't exist anymore because there are so many platforms. Everyone's a star and no one's a star. Do you think that that traditional fame is done forever? Yes, I think it's changing. I don't know if it's done. People are going. People have levels of fame. People have levels of notoriety. I think it's definitely changed. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but again, because there are so many different platforms and so many different groups of people that watch different things. Everyone's sort of famous and no one is like you can make millions of dollars, you know, because you have so many followers on YouTube or Instagram and no one knows who you are. Like 100%. No one even knows. No one would recognize you. It's crazy. Yeah. The idea of, well, you know, there was only 10, 12 places to be seen. Yeah. And now the idea that there's hundreds. Yeah. Thousands, really. I mean, thousands. It's not just your networks that are, you know, sort of disappearing, but then you've got every streaming platform and then every social media platform. And then, you know, every day something new pops up. I know. Right. It, it's, it's, do you feel, don't you feel like it's an end of a massive error? And I don't, I mean, error, like era, sorry, New York accent. <laughs> I do. I do. But I've been noticing it for a long time, yeah. but you know, we have to pivot. Yeah. You know, the, the the problem I have with it is like the term relevant. Mm-hmm. That really hurts my butt. <laughs> because there are so many people that you and I know right. that are really good, but because they don't have X amount of people on X amount Agreed. of platforms, they're considered a dinosaur. But it's not. They make a thriving living. Yes. They're still on the road. They're still going out for projects. They're still doing projects. Maybe they're not the biggest projects you see. And that's just like, it's not, there's people consuming all types of media. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that is annoying, but I think that's all going to change because I think we're getting so fractured and so splintered and it's like, boom. I want to ask you about your career and I want to talk here about this. Yeah. You were on America's Got Talent when? 
<sighs> eight years ago? I no. Um, let me think. Uh, like seven years. I think it was seven years 2013? ago. 2013? Was it 2013? It was 2013 or 2014 going into that. Yes. Wow. I know. Now, that's just a new thing in itself. That's, yes. Because, well, when I started, there was Star Search. Yes. But it was kind of ending. Right. And there was no, it was like you audition, you go new faces, you go potluck. Right. There was no that. No, there was no that. I think I saw. And you're on the, yes. you're on the era of that and the new. Uh, yes. And, and you know what's interesting, though, is like I sort of. It's funny because, you know, Eliza and I are very close friends yeah. and I knew her before Last Comic Standing and she was the first person I saw it, you know, so close and personal, up close and personal, how winning a show or being on a show like that can explode your career. You know what I mean? Like I saw it like with Ralphie May, like other previous like winners you saw because you kind of were in the same circle with them. But I was, you know, I watched her you know, going from one stage of her career to just mega like stardom. And she was able to pivot and take a lot of people can't when they win any of these shows, you know, reality, reality competition shows, they don't know how to pivot. It's like that saying, like, it doesn't matter how you get somewhere. It's what you do when you get there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have these opportunities and they don't utilize them. They don't know how to utilize them. They don't know how to pivot and change and turn it into a career that, you know, is a really, you know, like amazing career, like a, the longevity of it. And she was able to do that. So it was, I watched that happen. And then when I got on America's Got Talent, you know, that's in my mind that that was going to happen. You know what I mean? Because they were sort of grooming me after my audition to, you know, for those of you who don't know, reality television is not reality. And there's a lot of producers behind there. And what? I'm shocking. And that's what the whole episode's about. This episode is I'm going to, I'm going to break down reality TV for you. Wait, um, I, by the way, believe, uh, I, I was a judge on America's Got on on Last Comic Standing. When? 2008. Wow. Eliza was on. Oh, that was her. Oh, you were like a guest judge? Yeah. And I gave her wonderful marks. You're welcome, Eliza. <laughs> so it's really, <laughs> she she, uh, she owes all her success to you? <laughs> no, but it was, um, it was like some competition. It was like one of them heckling or something right. they were dealing with in the house. And I remember giving her... Very good marks, but I remember knowing her from before that show because I would just see her around the clubs. So you're saying when did she win? Oh eight. Um, I, I whatever night, whatever you were on. That's well, she was only people, on one season, yeah. And so then she won, and then she went from here to here. You're saying, yeah, it wasn't that fast, but it was you know immediately like doing you know the road because they went on tour, and then it you know it led to you know her getting, you know, jobs, like hosting jobs. And then she was the host of Excused, a dating show for two seasons. And then, you know, it, it went up that, and she's one of the hardest working people I know. So it's not like things just like fell in her lap. I mean, she's continually works as, as, you know, as hard as anyone. It's, it's pretty amazing um, and inspiring. It's, it's just one of those things where like, when I was on, you know, like I watched that again in 08 and then cut to 2000, you know. So you're on in 2014. Thir 13, th Thir or 13 or 14. Okay. What's interesting is that I think it was the year after she won or maybe two years after she won. I did audition for um, Last Comic Standing 
And it was at the improv, you know, the kind of private auditions and like everyone we know, I think Ben Glebe was there. I mean, everybody was, you know what I mean? We were all, we had all at our time spots. It was all like ready to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just so you know, people, we don't like wait outside on a long line. That's just the B-roll. Like we had appointments. Mm -hmm. We're like waiting to go. We're all in the, in what's now the lab, but that was, you know. And it was a real crowd. No, 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 no. It was Ooh. just, it was Natasha. For the producers. Well, it, and the judges, it was being taped. Who were the judges, Natasha? It was Natasha. So this is going to air, you know, it was Natasha. It was, um, what's his name? Uh, Greg, um, who passed away, Geraldo. Geraldo, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Andy uh, Kindler. Kindler, yeah. yeah. So it was the three of them, and, you know, they've got earpieces in. They're looking. It's being filmed. There's camera people. And, you know, and everybody goes up there and then they either, they're like, okay, great. Yes. Or they, you know, they do the critique. But what's, what people don't realize is they're being sort of fed like lines a lot of the time to like get a reaction because it's TV. They want someone to freak out. They want somebody to be like, you know, like, you don't know comedy. Like they were, they're trying to get a reaction out of people. So a lot of people, I was watching a lot of really amazing comics that I completely respect and admire just being shot down, you know, completely. It was, it was very strange. And then I went up there and I did the dog and cat bit, the dog and cat bit that on America's got talent got, you know, a standing ovation, a four judge standing ovation is on the best of, of America's got talent is on the best of, um, what is it? Uh, the world's got talent, like whatever they're th- like, it's gone viral twice. I mean, here's, here's, I'm only saying that because it's I a solid joke. I know you're, I'm fucking a 27 year old, but I had to dump him cause he got too old. The 28 year old bit. Of I know course that. that's what you remember. <laughs> but I don't, the dog and cat bit, I think I've heard of this. I don't, this was from your first series of work. So go ahead. So you did the old <laughs> dog and cat. The dog and cat bit is honestly, I, I'm still, that's like the, the girl, the, the nurse, in the plastic surgeon's office. I mean, she... That was your viral. That was... It went viral twice. Okay. Um, and when Global's Got Talent picked it up and three years ago, two years ago, and and blasted it. I started... It was very funny. I started getting, again, inquiries and, like, like submissions, people that had just, just found it. It was bizarre. Anyway. But it was, like, 40 million views. It was crazy. Wow. So... When I did this, it's the exact joke that I did for Last Comic Standing, and I was in the middle of it, and I could see someone, you know, in their earpiece. It's like the producers were like, no, we're not going with her. So they they stopped me mid-joke, and and I'm pretty sure it was Andy. It was Andy. Uh, Sorry, Andy, but you, and I'm sure you were proud to say this, but he was like, "Uh, Jody, how long have you been doing comedy? And, you know, I was that like, I don't know, 13 years at the time. I'm not even really sure. But I said, you know, 12, 13, 10 or whatever. I said, he's like, okay, you really just came up here with like relationship jokes. And if anybody was paying attention to, by the way, they weren't, they were looking down the whole time I was performing. It, it's not a relationship, um, actually a joke. It's not, I'm actually, I am comparing men and women to dogs and cats, but it has nothing to do with relationships. So it was like, well, you weren't really paying attention. And he just, I know they were trying to get, you know, some sort of reaction out of me. And he made a comment just like, well, you know, you just, it's, you just don't, you, you don't have the caliber of comedy talent that we're looking for. That was, a, that was definitely something that they were trying to get a reaction out of. So that, you know, it's reality. So I, I laughed out loud. I went, oh, okay. Okay, that's all I said. I'm not going to give them, you know what I mean? I don't want to like be on the show like, Jody Miller freaks out. But then again, you know, maybe I should have. And then who knows where I'd be. Um, like, that's the comedian that freaks out. But anyway, it was 
it definitely was like, it, it was jarring. You know what I mean? I said, do you want me to do something else? And Natasha, you know, who I'm friends with, was like, we actually don't have time, but thank you. Very nice. But I left there and was like, took that mental, like, I don't think Greg said anything actually. And I, and I walked out of there and I just was like, it just, it fucks with your head for sure. And then I immediately had to go to the comedy store to do my show, the C word. And I closed with that joke. Cause that was always my closer. And you know, people were just howling. I got an applause break. I was getting applause, and I and I was like, "That's." And I think out loud, I was like, "That's right." Fuck last comic standing. <laughs> I think I said that at the comedy store. And people just people will just cheer anything. By the way, if you if a comic's like, everyone's like, "Yeah, fuck them." They don't even know what they were screaming for. But it was it was one of those things. And then cut to you know how many years later, and I do it on AGT, and and that's that. Hold on. So you went to last comic standing, and you thought they were grooming you for success. Oh, no, 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 no. America's Got you, Talent was You shit the me. bed. They, you didn't shit the bed. They, I don't think I said that. I did not shit the bed, people. I don't shit the bed anymore. one, I know you went really far. And so last comics, yeah, I always get those two confused. No, you see, like, actually, you're, you see, that's exactly what people think. I didn't go really far on America's Got Talent. My audition was so good. People think I was like the semi or I was like the runner up. People think I was at the finals. I never made it past audition one. For Last Comic Standing. No, Last Comic Standing, I didn't even make it to like where, the you know. Sh- you didn't get on the show. I didn't get, no, I didn't get on the show. Okay. America's Got Talent, I, so America's Got Talent, you, it's, the, it's a, sort, a similar process as far as like, they got a lot of submissions. I was submitted through an agent. They were like, we want to see her. They saw me in a very private audition that only, only for the producers. And then I got a, you're going to be on the show. And then that's considered, you know, the auditions to see if you go to the live rounds. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Right. And that's the audition on America's Got Talent that went... Went viral. Yes. <clears throat> Dog and cat. And I got, you know, I got the four yeses. I got the standing ovation. I got the... I got the every comic stream. For those people that don't know, it's... We all dream about that moment where, you know, people that are like Howard Stern, Howie Mandel, people are telling you how amazing you are and you're about to be a star. Anybody that's in this industry dreams about that moment where someone else is like, this is your moment. This is the moment you become a star. And I had that moment. I actually had that moment for, for a second on stage. I thought, am I, is this really happening? It was that amazing of a moment. Wow. And you get off stage and everyone is like, you know, clamoring around you. And they're just like, oh, my God. You're just, oh, my God. And people were like, you know, like prepping me, grooming me, telling me I have to get all my social media, like, in order. My, like, individual producer is like, I need all of your next sets that you're going to be doing. You're signing contracts. You're doing all this B-roll. They're having their interview. It's everywhere. I mean, like, everyone was buzzing, talking. A friend of mine who works on the show called me, like, in the second half of the day. I'd already left and was like, oh, my God. People have not stopped talking about your audition it was one of those things where you know these shows you know you know they're not reality but you know they're sort of like they're all sort of scripted in the in the producer's mind but you it's thought real but yeah it's real and i thought oh for, one you know, direction came out of that show ex- oh my, so many people came out yes. of those shows do you know what i mean so you're just like this is my moment the, and it's fine that they're all like orca- orchestrating it you know what i mean and pushing me in that direction this is going to be amazing and then i was waiting and waiting like and my producer was just like hold on we're trying to figure out and i knew that everyone was leaving like on this 
date to go to New York for the next round and all the other people that got yeses. And I was waiting. And then I heard like a rumor, like, I think you're getting passed straight through to the live, you know, to the live rounds. You're not going to have to go to New York. And I was like, okay, well, I just probably need to know. And they're like, yeah, just be ready. Just be ready to go or ready for the live rounds. It was like that sort of, and we were all just like waiting, waiting, waiting. And then the morning everyone was leaving to go to New York at 6am. I got an email that was just like, sorry, the producers have decided to go in a different direction. And you, and no. I didn't, I didn't actually even understand what that meant. I was like, well, how can they go? I signed contracts and I, I don't you get got four X's. I got, I got a standing ovation. But you got four X's. Did you yeah. get the golden buzzer? I didn't get the golden buzzer, but I got four yeses. I got, it was. So it, then that, that you have to go. You don't though. That's what people don't know. I don't think it make any decision. Did they edit one. that part out on the show? See, now that's, so here's the thing. So now my brain wow. was like, my brain's like, this audition's never going to air now. No one's ever going to see what I just did. The moment that I just had, the 90 seconds that I just experienced, which was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. No one will ever see it because how can they show that audition and everything the judges said about me and how can they air it? And then I just disappear. It's not like I got, you know, booted off the show. So how were they going to do it? So that was my mindset. Did it air? So cut to, you know, well, first, you know, I was laying on the floor for like two weeks. I was really paralyzed by it. Jesus it was really Christ. devastating. I actually, to me, honestly. What year was this? Like 2013, 2014. So this is right after Last Comic Standing where that didn't go well. Well, it's probably like six years after. Six years after. Yeah, yeah. So my career was at a different level at that time. But, you know, here's the thing. I, I honestly, you know what I thought? I don't know if you've had this moment, but I was like thinking to myself, oh, I've been reading the signs wrong. The universe isn't telling me to keep fighting for what you want. The universe is saying, oh, you don't get it. Stay the fuck down, bitch. That's what I thought. I thought they were like, no, I'm going to knock you down and stay down this time. You know what I mean? Because everyone's like, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. It's, you know, how many times you get up. And I was like, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. And I remember calling my manager and I was like, I think this is a sign. And she was like, okay, I'm going to let you feel bad for yourself for like a week. And then we're going to dust ourselves off. You mean to quit comedy? Yeah, quit comedy. That's how bad that shook me. So... But then something amazing happened. It was two weeks after. It had already like traveled through the comedy community in Los Angeles about what happened to me. <laughs> Everyone was like, oh my God. And nothing had aired. Nothing, you know, nothing had aired. I was uh, doing Comedy Juice in Irvine, the Irvine Improv. And I got there. I remember like Adam Ray was there. I saw all these people and everyone was like, oh, how you doing? It was the first time I was getting up since it happened. I mean, yeah, everybody has that, oh, how you doing? You know what I mean? That look. Like you. It's <laughs> <laughs> so tough. Like Especially Adam, because he's the most positive guy. I so know. he's like, is everybody, is she going to be okay? Yeah. Like everyone was kind of looking at me. They're like, I don't know what's going to happen here. So it was sold out. It was an amazing crowd at the Irvine Improv. And I remember thinking, I just, just go up there, phone it in, get back in your car, go home and get into bed. Like I was so, you know, and I'm not a person that stays down. Like you, you were know, leveled. No, oh, I know. Leveled. You were leveled. Okay. So I get up on stage. The crowd was like, you know, cheering, cheering, cheering. I take the mic out of the mic stand. I move the mic stand. And I was like really ready to just go through the motions of doing my set. And it, a strange thing happened like right when everyone was, the applause were like dying down. This couple in the front just screamed at the right moment. They just screamed, we love you. And uh, they just screamed, we love you. 
And I had that moment and I look at them and sort of it hit me. This is why I do it. This is why I do comedy. For those people that just screamed out, we love you. The show hadn't aired yet. None of that. These people, I talked to them afterwards and was taking pictures afterwards. They drove an, an hour from San Diego to come see me that night at the Irvine Improv. Because they had known you a bit from that thing. No, no, no. It hadn't even aired yet. No, they just were fans of mine. They you know what I mean? They just knew you. They just knew who I was. They yeah. seen me perform and they wanted to see me perform at the Irvine Improv and they came to see me. And they screamed it out at that time and it, it sort of snapped me out of my coma and I said, I love you too. And the audience kind of laughed at that. And then like, I had that moment like overcome with like emotion. And I it was like, I felt like I was going to cry, but I was like, don't cry. That's so weird on stage. So, um, so then I like, I, something switched of like a, like just a switch flipped. And I thought, this is why I do it. Fuck those people. They can't ever take that experience away from me. And you guys are about to get the best fucking set of the night. And I just destroyed it. I just was like a different, everything clicked. I'm like, fuck them. So I don't think they're going to air it. Cut to like another two weeks or like three weeks later, I get a call from one of the producers. They're like, Hey, so your episode's going to air this week. We just want to make sure you've got all the stuff to promote it. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I go, how can you air my episode? You guys cut me. And she goes, well, I don't know anything about that. So, (laughs) (laughs) so you're just gonna like, so then I call my manager and I'm like, how are they going to, and she's like, I don't trust them. Are they going to make you look bad? You know, I got nervous. They're going to edit it a certain way. I'm like, I don't think it's possible. I'm not saying that to be like, oh my God, but it was 90 seconds. I had three applause breaks in 90 seconds. How can they make it look bad? So this guy who's an editor on the show who had said, oh, I'm editing your episode. It was like very serendipitous at like a day before I send him an email. I go, Hey, I just want to ask you a question. Are you showing my whole set or just, you know, a little bit? He goes, Oh, you're commercial to commercial. You're working it. You're bookending it. He's like, it's your whole set. It's your whole intro, everything. So I was like, okay. So I remember I call my dad cause he lives on the East coast. And I said, you're going to see it before I do. So can you just call me after it airs? Tape it, call me, and I, I just need to know, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember I was driving home from the valley, and it was like 5.25, because I was 22 minutes into that episode. And all of a sudden, Jamie, my phone started buzzing. To, everything started, my phone started freezing up. It was the weirdest thing, because Twitter, everything, it got started like, it's, it was like broke. It was like frozen. And then a call comes in, and I see that it's my dad. And I pull over the side of the road. And there was like silence. I'm like, hello? Hello? And I, and my, I don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And my dad was crying. Oh. He was so proud. Mm. He was crying. Oh, man. That's so beautiful. And now he's like, oh, my God. And then I got to watch it that night. And I had the same feeling I had that day on stage. And I thought, fuck him. Fuck it. Fuck the whole show. Like, thank you so much for this opportunity. I would never redo it different. Like, it's, it is what it is. I would never not do it. You know what I mean? So, wait, let me just ask you this. And that's an incredible story. Thanks. Thanks, guys. So, you, you go and you do the show. You kill. Mm -hmm. They air you killing. Mm -hmm. They air you getting past. Mm -hmm. What is, what are they going to say on the show while you're not there? So, after that airs, it's like 13 million viewers that night. Epic. Yeah. After it airs, it's like crazy. And I actually went to Denver that weekend to perform at Comedy Works with Bobby Lee. And he was like, 
I mean, he had like texted me. Congr- I mean, p- people were texting me. They're like, congratulations. It was nuts. I was like, yeah. then like all the producers of AGT were still like, hey, we're going to want you to live tweet. Uh, I'm like, thinking, oh my God. I know. So I'm thinking. Really bold. So now you're just kind of like, what's going to happen? Are they going to use the golden buzzer? What's happening? Like, you don't know what's going on. I go to Denver. Like I was getting recognized immediately from that. Like I, I got so many new followers, you know, on Twitter. It was just like a madhouse. Things were like out of control. They ended up airing it again. So they ended up before they showed the next round, they aired it twice during that summer. And then the next round was New York. And again, Twitter started blowing up and it was like, where's, where's that girl? Where's Jody Miller? Like people were asking, where did I go? And I, of course, you know, signed a contract. I couldn't say anything about the show. You can't say anything. Like you can't say. So what did they say to the viewers? They didn't. They never said anything. What do you mean? All this, for, they have to explain where you went. You I got know. four X's. <laughs> you just told a mini series. What? So it just didn't show up? They never said anything. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. People were like, like all, they didn't understand it. Wow. And you had four tough cookies. The fact that you had those judges. Have you that? never seen that audition? Yeah, but barely. I barely <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I saw gonna, the lady that gonna, sung that was I'm like, gonna make, oh, I'm gonna Susan. Make, yeah, I'm going to make you watch it. Just because, oh, your audition, I never saw it. Yes, no, you're going to watch my uh, audition because as a comic, you will... Here's the thing. It's like, and I've talked to other comics that have been on that show and had great experiences, horrible experiences. It is one of those things where I had already been doing comedy for, you know, almost 15 years and it didn't matter. It was... It's a very bizarre thing to, you know, have to do only 90 seconds. They talk to you before you perform. It was oh, very so weird. Hard. It was so bizarre. You know, going in there that Heidi's going to be a tough cookie. I was like, what's going on? Like, it was very strange. And then you have to get into your own, like, mindset and just, but I knew from the second, from the second I said my first word, and you know when you're in the zone. I knew the second you know. I looked up, I looked right at Howard Stern. Yeah. The first thing out of my mouth, I was like, I'm there. It didn't matter how many. It didn't. None of it mattered. I was like, bam. Hold on. So the judges are Howie, um, Heidi Klum, Howard, and Melby. See, here's the problem, and then I got to go back to the other stuff because you just said so much. My brain is like <laughs> intense right now. Howie all day, Love whatever him. he says. Howard too, although I think sometimes he can be a hater, but he he clearly if it's if you make him laugh, he's not gonna be a hater. He's he know no. he obviously is a comic legend and knows comedy. Yes. Mel B got a good sense of humor, but not a comic, but you know, a consumer of comedy. Yes. And, you know, has Eddie Murphy's baby. I was just going to say, slept with Eddie Murphy, so she's got comedy. Royalty. Yeah. <laughs> Heidi, I mean, a lot of stuff gets lost in translation. And yes, but that is a comic. But if you can if make you someone who's, yes, English is not your first language and you but don't, But just yes. 90 seconds. And 90 seconds. Yeah. Think about what you would do for 90 seconds, Jamie. I can't, I have a setup. That's about 108 <laughs> seconds. Um, you know, where are you from? But going back for a second. To the first one, eight, um, Last Comic Standing, which I didn't really know about except when I did it, and I knew that Barry created it and Jay created it, and I knew that, and I knew that was a new form of yes. comic starting to blow up. Yeah. And I know Lonzo won the year before, mm-hmm. and he, did you, because you see Natasha, and she was chill with you. Right. Did you see Andy after that? No, and... Uh- and you didn't take it personally because you probably thought he was just getting produced. No, I took it personally. Um, I took it personally because I didn't know him and I was like, who the fuck? 
Fuck you. I mean, you do. Yeah. You can't help it. Uh, Greg didn't say anything. And everyone is part of the community. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was different then. There was different, like, community that was on TV and community trying. But yes. now the community is... The community is totally different now, I, by the way. Yeah. I love it now. I think it's been the most more mixed than it's ever been. Having said that, look, I love it. And she didn't say anything. Okay. Like, Hopefully he was being produced. I'm sure he was. It, there's no, I mean, I'm not like, fuck him. But I mean, that day I was like, fuck him. Yeah. But, uh, but now here's what bothers me. It's like, yes, I love that it's more spread out. I love a lot of aspects of it. But I also don't like the way it used to be is you were a comic. You worked on your craft. You got past at all the clubs. And then you got on TV or the movies. You know what I mean? And now it's like, oh, you have a lot of followings. You've done a couple spots on TV. You're on a show on TV. So you'll get past at all the clubs. It flip-flopped. So you have a lot of people that I don't think are... that. I think their comedy is very basic. They haven't really worked on their comedy. They just get spots because they have so many followers and it's insulting. They get a television show because they've made TikTok videos and it's insulting to people that have been working at this for a really long time. Now, now here's the thing. I'm not saying I there's, comment on that there's enough for everyone. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't have that success. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying as, you know, as creators or people that have been working really hard on certain things to see someone get something that maybe they're not right for just because they have following a big following and it's not based on talent is I think insulting. Okay. Let me, let me do a counterpoint to that. Yeah. And then I got to remember that we were talking about how the comedy community changed in terms yes. of just remember this term, the looks. Yes. Because I'm so hot and like, yes, I mean like that's what he's talking about. Yes. You're, <laughs> right now you got those fillers, baby. My face is so I look 15. So I agree. I, I actually think that this, um, I don't know if I totally agree with what you just said. That's fine. Let's and battle here, it out. Here's why. <laughs> because when I started comedy, mm -hmm. I did, and I'm going to ask you why you started, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know any of this stuff. Comedy to me was the last, thing to do before you know a nighttime shift at mcdonald's you know <laughs> i had nothing going on and it was only because people told me you should try comedy right. you should try enough people told me this mm -hmm. and i was like and i loved it growing up you know but i didn't know how to do it and then i learned about open mics and bam and i grinded it out for four years hard with spots thrown in at a club slowly getting in like a guest spot. But I waited on all the clubs. I waited in the Laugh Factory for so long. Jamie Masada said, I never see, I don't know if it's a good <laughs> but I never see anybody wait as long as you, that's a terrible impression. But, <laughs> and he just said, you can come in. Like I waited, I did potluck tons of times. Mm -hmm. The improv. And so what I'm saying is. You put in the work. I, yes, but. I want to say this is that, and there's a club, and I'm not going to mention there, where I went in, I did it, and you had to get your number to get your spot like a month after. Yeah. And I had my spot, and I had my four minutes, and then I got bumped. Yeah. And I said, what the fuck? I'm ready to go. And they go, 
And I'll never forget it. I don't care. Mark Lennon said, he's got credits. He's on TV. And I'm like, but that's not fair. Mm -hmm. And that was my lesson in 1991 that comedy is not fair. So to to counterpoint that is that has been happening since I started. They wanted people on TV commercials because at the end of the day, they wanted asses in the seats. And I do think that New York comedy scene might be different i'm not sure i but started in new york you, you, you yeah. did so you yeah. have to tell me but like you came up like the funniest person was the funniest person so i'm not saying it's not like that here but i do feel that they do like the credits and which which kind of was why i got uneven is because i was doing four and a half years at coffee houses open right. mics and an occasional guest spot at a club right. then when i started hitting i was getting Fucking fifteen minute spots, and I had nine. Right, and and thank God, people like Rick Overton, Craig Shoemaker, Bob Saget. It's like, come open for me. You're gonna do fifteen minutes. You're gonna work out your other six, and the clubs loved it. So I would promote it, and and I was able to learn. But I didn't even have the fifteen. Right. I had ten. Right. But I shouldn't, that, that spot should have gone to somebody that had it. Right. But here's the thing. There's two things. So I went from zero to hero. But trying to be hero forever, and I couldn't even get it. You know what I mean? Where are you now, though? <laughs> in the garage. <laughs> but what I'm saying that there's there are good systems and farm yes. systems, but it is all disrupted because you've seen people pop in all the time. Right. No, I mean, here's the thing. I actually, I got to showcase at the Comedy Store, which is the first club I became a regular at. I didn't even want, I didn't even, that was never my aspiration to actually be a comic it wasn't my aspiration. I didn't even, what you asked me how I got into it. I got into it because. How did you get into comedy? Because, let me tell you guys. And because I was 24, I was acting in New York and I came out to Los Angeles with the school I was affiliated with. And I was doing like back then, what you do would be like a comedic monologue and a dramatic monologue. You know what I mean? Like that's what you'd be ready to go. You read sides, you do cold readings. And some producer, somebody I was auditioning for was like, do you do comedy? And I was 24. And I was like, I can do anything because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm 24. And he was like, no, I mean like stand up or improv. You have really good timing. And I'm like, what's timing? And he's like, that's timing. So, I went back and I didn't do, I did open mics, but I took a class in New York and I did five minutes at Stand Up New York was my first set. And someone in the audience, someone in the audience came up to me afterwards and she was like, you're really funny. I produce a show at Don't Tell Mama's. Um, on Thursday nights, I'd like to book you. And I said to her, oh, no, no, no. I just had to do this for this guy in LA. I had no idea how comedy worked. <laughs> she was like, okay, we'll see you Thursday. I'm like, what? Um, so I started doing comedy in New York because I just wanted to further my acting career. And even when I moved out here, I was like, I don't want to do comedy. I only want to act. And I kept getting like stand-up stuff. Like I just kept getting shows. Like that was the only place I could perform. The only place I could be creative. And I was also doing improv. So I finally was like, why am I resisting this? And I, I changed that like title from an actor who does comedy to a comedian who acts. And it's sort of like, I was like, this is who I am now. But the truth is, is that you're right. I didn't get the opportunity to even showcase at the comedy store until I started, until I started like getting on TV. That's when Tommy at the time took notice of me. I started doing commentary for CNN's Showbiz Tonight. 
And because I was I doing, I remember a, that. Because I was doing a lot of that. You're right. Because I got on TV. I, I didn't. You know what I mean? So I get it. I understand that they work hand in hand. But I'm talking about the people that are just lip syncing or doing funny videos on TikTok, and all of a sudden now they get their own show on TV. Or it's very bizarre to me. You know what I mean? It's like you don't want to name names, but I think you just named a name. No, yeah. actually, I don't have anyone in. Like honestly, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. It's just a general blanket statement. And again, I'm not saying they shouldn't have it. It's just for people that are working really hard. It just, it's it sort of like, it stings. It's like, you know, it's, it's hard. But here's what I like about what you just said is mm-hmm. that you were, you're pure, but you're not a purist. No. Like I think of you, I think your writing career was born out of that. You Definitely. just, you kept getting opportunities. You're like, I really don't want to do this. Yes. And then you're just naturally good at it. So stand up opened a lot of those doors. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, and I think that that's, what's really good is because I love, I hate, oh, there's a, there's a comic that I love, but you know, this person is in love with the title comic and it's like, (laughs) you don't, and I don't give a fuck. It's like, fuck all that. It's just what, you know, however you express yourself and you are like honestly saying, Hey, I didn't want to be a comic. I didn't. It just happened. And I felt the same way. It wasn't like I didn't want to. I was like, oh, this is a cool place where I can control what I'm kind of doing and I have a say as long as I sign up here. Right. And it's a way to be creative. It is. But like there's so many people that, you know, want that title and it's like it's got to want you more than you want it. Right. You have to be doing it. Yes. You have to sort of detach from the outcome of it. Yes. But the fact that you said that is so honest and it's it's beautiful. Hmm. Now you... You left New York at what year? 98? 90, yeah, 98, 99. Yes. And you did it for how long in the city? Uh, almost three years. That's good cred. It's good cred. I get out here and, it, but you start over again. And yeah. again, I didn't even like, you know, and again, stand up brought me into the world of writing. I did a one woman show. I did all of that stuff. I did a show with you. Remember that place on Third Street by Nick's? Um, what was that what show? What was that? It was Mark Franco's show. But I don't remember. I mean, I remember the room itself. Remember how that stage and there were windows facing Third. But I remember everyone's like, oh, my God, Jamie Kennedy's uh, stopping in. <laughs> and I remember I was like, is he going to bump me? Am I going to have to, like, go after? Like, And then you just, like, walked in and, and you were, I mean, you were, like, you've always just been a nice human being. Um but you walked in, you were just like, all right, you know what I mean? And you did your spot, and then you left, and everyone was like, oh my God, Jimmy, you're like, please. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Um, I hope I had an okay set. No, you had a horrible, no, just kidding. No, you had a great set. What I was mean, the place called? I don't remember, but I left my keys there one night. I would get so drunk. It's so funny this. because I did <laughs> sets, and like people will tell me stories, and I'm like, you know, so far I got a good report card. Like I used to work with Eric Griffin all the time at yeah, a place yeah. called Patterson's. Okay. I was on Venice. That was before your time. And Mike Henry, who's one of the creators, he's a creator of Cleveland, the right. character yeah. on the Cleveland show. He's like, you used to be on the open mics and we used to be out there. And I was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, man, I used to watch you a lot. I'm like, wow. And it's like, so people were on the mm-hmm. circuit that you... You had interaction with, but you f- you forget. Yes. And it's like there's a lot of people that have come off of our circuit. There now, are. I, w- I have so much to ask you, but you're like, my brain is rattled, so let me go slow. <laughs> Comedy, for me, and I'm, I think of myself as an entertainer. So do I. I Yes, I think you're right. That's a good point that you just said that because there are people that are born comedians like they were meant to do that not that they're not going to do anything else but they are a straight-up comedian yeah and i believe i i'm 
I'm a entertain. I'm a performer. Yeah, I'm, you I'm are. A performer. So you're, are you. you'll you'll do whatever you need to do right. to get it done. Like I started. Yes. Guys, is anybody listening to me? I'll do whatever. She'll get it done. I'll get it done. And and you're and we're the same way. But it doesn't mean you're not great at each each aspect of what you do. And I'm you know I say this multiple times. Like Jamie Fox is a living example. You can have multiple right. talents. Yes. You know, and I mean he's our he's the king of it. So Wayne Brady. Yeah, Wayne Brady's another one. Totally. And so. I feel like there's purists and stuff, and the fact is, is that I started really as an extra, and then as a com- and then I got in the comedian. What was your first? Wait, wait a minute. It's what? a whole video about it. Dead Poets Society. Oh, you were? Oh, I didn't know this. You gotta watch. It. I gotta watch. I should show you the video. But basically, that's I was born into this. Like, I once I did that, I was like, oh, this is meant to be. Blah blah. blah. Long story boring. Comedy people know me as an actor. Yeah. But it was all the comedy places that got me the opportunity for acting right so exactly why you did it it got me my audition for snl it got me on my audition for a commercial which yeah. led to my guest spot on ellen which led to this blah, 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 blah. and then boom and then i was known as an actor then the comedy clubs were like oh cool you want to come in and headline i'm like i can't do that they're like you want a middle i'm like <laughs> they're like well you can't fucking host <laughs> So I said, I'll just be special guests. And that's when I started getting 20 minute weekends working with great comics. But that road, it's so once I got known and then I started headlining clubs, comics were like, not all comics, the ones who knew me didn't, but they were like, oh, this actor. Right. And I'm like, which people say with this, now they say this wrestler, this blah, blah, this blah. So I really had to go and show that. I was more than just an actor, but I was always a comic first. But, you know, there's all these purists and stuff. But now since it's blown open, right? which I don't mind it at all because I'm I'm just a participant. In it. I'm not the mayor of Comedyville. Neither are you. Well, I ran. Yes, you did. <laughs> and I just think comedy is so different because I always say, you know who the, you know, like just in terms of the, the good looking people, like, do you know who the hottest, like, young female comic was when I was starting out me (laughs) like I was the youngest cutest little thing and like I was young I was 19 when I started there wasn't many people I mean you got Jay Moore and you know Chappelle those guys started earlier in New York and Jim Brewer they started in their teens but like in LA I was like and so now I look and I just see on both sides I know it's incredible so it's like it was a freak show do you agree when I when I started, I started before you, comedy was a freak show. It was a lot of that. It was a it lot was like of like, the yes. fat guy. Yes. The angry lesbian. Yes. The <laughs> hood black guy. The confused Mexican. <laughs> the, you know, it was all of this. The Jew. You know, like. There was a lot of us. A yeah, lot of Jews. Let so, me say. Yeah. Now I'm it's. Jewish. It's like these good looking people on, you know, I'm not just going to say women, but I like women. They'd go up and you're like, wow. Well, this is because a- because they were told when not did that to be. Ch- when did that change? Well, here's the thing. It's funny that you say that because. And it's not bad. I want to discuss with somebody because I look at you as all of those things. But you're funny. You make me laugh. You give me some of my best jokes. I'm funny. You should ask. Thanks, guys. And you're, a, you know, you're an EP. Are you an EP or a, no. you're a producer, though? The head writer. Yeah, head writer. I mean, that's a whole other thing we'll talk about. But it's like you're doing it. Right. So. But you also, I don't. I would say you use your sexuality a teeny bit, but you 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 always you don't try to. But mm-hmm. you're obviously gonna you know project that. 
So how do you feel, like, looking at comedy now, how sexy it's been? For me, it's always been sexy. Chevy Chase and that scene in, in, in Vacation, and, you know, has always been a funny guy and a hot right. woman. Right, So I knew that comedy could be sexy, but I'm saying, how do you feel, like, now it really is, like, filled with sexy people, which is bizarre. You know, here's the thing. When I was starting, you know, I was told over and over again, like, you know, just... Tone down your looks. You just go up there. Women aren't, you know what I mean? Like, just your hair in a ponytail. Don't wear makeup. Like, it's all about the comedy. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of that. Yeah. And I I was never that person. I always, always full face of makeup on. I do my hair. I mean, not always, but yeah, I look good. You know what I mean? I put myself you together. You look good, but you don't rely on your sexuality. No. But it comes I, out. Yes. But you don't overdo it. No. And. You're being you. I'm being me. Mm-hmm. And who you are on stage is an extension of who you are off stage. And I like to have myself put together and I go on stage. I'm not using it for that. If people are watching me, you know, perform it's they're They're hopefully listening to my jokes and it's, I had this one show and I tell the story. So I taught stand up for many, many years and I still coach and I talk about a lot of this stuff with them. But when I, when I, um, I've been doing it, I don't know, eight months and I hadn't had, a bad show. I was doing, you know, these like, you know, shows at Labatt Bar. I was doing all these shows all over New York and all of my sets were, you know, pretty, I thought pretty great, you know, I I thought I was doing great and some of them had some like sexy stuff and I was like, you know, whatever. And I did this one show at Stand Up New York and I always tell comics that I would coach or took my class. I'm like, I pray that you have a really bad show earlier on than I did in your career because when you keep having great shows, you think, I'm amazing. And the truth is that you never actually get better. You learn more from the shows that don't go well than the shows that are just crushing when you're first starting out. Mm -hmm. So I did this show at Stand Up New York, and I remember I got there, and I mean, I was a, you know, a Jersey blonde at the time, which means I was like blonde hair on top, like brown hair underneath. It was just, and I was the whitest person in that room. I was the only white person in that room. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went up. I think second to last check spot and it wasn't, it was the most painful set I've ever had. These women were staring at me like, who the fuck are you? And their boyfriends were like, I'm not going to laugh because, and I was doing very, my jokes were like, don't you hate it when you get sunburn? And then like it starts peeling and then you're itching in like really weird places. Like it was so, I have a new cordless phone and my mom always, it was just, it was it was good stuff. Oh, it was really it was like A material. Uh but this these are jokes that were killing at every other show. Hey. So I get it. so I was like I mean I was dying a slow death on stage, but to my credit, I fucking stuck it out. I got off stage and there was a comic, Sarge, that's his name. I don't know if you knew Sarge. I kind of know that. Yeah, name. um and he was doing a guest spot. It was a all female lineup. And I got up there and he said the weirdest thing to me. He was like, I'm never going to laugh at the pretty white girl. It was a very random, weird statement. And I was like, all I heard was they're never going to laugh at a pretty girl. Actually, that's the only thing that stuck with me. And I remember I, he was like, you want to get drunk? I was like, yeah. And I did. <laughs> I did. I did for like three months and I stopped doing comedy. And I that, remember. Was that right, ended with, you you want to fuck? We didn't fuck. <laughs> but I did stay drunk for a long period of time. And I remember Holy thinking to myself, 
I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do comedy anymore. Like, fuck that. I don't need that. Like, that's. I love this, by the way. I don't interrupt your thought, no, yeah. but I've quit multiple times. Yes. So you have those moments where you quit. Yeah. So, yeah. So this was my first bad show at eight months. If I'd had a bad, a bad show, maybe at month one, maybe. But that's I, still very early in your life. I know, but still, I wish yes. I had had it early. So I was like, absolutely not. But when I came back, improv brought me back in maybe like six months later. I remember that statement sat with me and in like, it doesn't matter. And I've had people that I've worked with that are like, well, if I like, if I'm wearing a dress or if I, look, I would go, look, however you are like offset, like dress, be comfortable, be who you are, wear makeup, put yourself together, guys, you know, be who you are authentically. As long as you're authentically yourself, you're good. And the jokes will speak for themselves. And that was the lesson that I took. I was like, you know what? I need just more personal humor. I need more stuff that I'm, that I'm connected with. And comedy subjective you know what I mean I just something switched in me and I came back and I just was like a more authentic version of myself but go back to what I was saying which was how are all these beautiful people in comedy how do you because now it's more accepted and a woman doesn't have to look a certain way and you can be attractive and own your shit on stage it just do you think there's more comedians than ever I think there's a lot of comedians because of all the different platforms there's different ways for them to you know sort of come out because before like you know how you got told by everyone you should do comedy mm -hmm. when I would teach my class I mean I'm not teaching now because you know because I'm normally working on, on shows but I mean I when I would teach a class almost every one of the people in the class I you know before we even get into it I would just have everybody introduce themselves and tell me why they why they took this class I mean it could be a dare it could be somebody signed them up almost everyone in the class would say because everybody's told me that, you know, I should do comedy a lot. I hear that a lot. So I think... That's good because I think a lot of people started for their own reasons. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I mean, before all of these different, you know, platforms to do comedy or do funny videos, you either had to do open mics, which is scary as fuck for people. People don't even know how to get started on that. Or you need to take a class the way I had because at the end of my class we do a show and then I, I sort of steer you in the direction of you're a bringer. You do open mic. You do, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm telling them I how to do it. I never did any of that. Well yeah, you just learned, you learned. I learned the yeah. open mic way. Yeah, you learned the open which mic I way. Like, which is, yeah. I think it's the authentic way. Yes. Here's the only problem for me with open mics and when you're first starting out and it's definitely different in New York because they actually have real audience members but for someone, not you, a lot of people that I think are really good writers and they don't understand that most open mics are just filled with other comics. Yes. The problem is, is that you you think your jokes aren't funny because you're not really getting the right reaction because there are other comics and they're not really paying attention to you and they're thinking about their own thing. And even if they're laughing, they might be laughing at something completely different. So I have a lot of people that I coach, they're like, I've tried this joke out like four times in an open mic and it never works and I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm like, tell it to me. And I hear it and I go, that's a funny fucking joke and you need to do it in front of a real audience that came to see comedy. And that's the problem with open mic sometimes is that I think people either give up or or don't do material that I think would honestly work because they're not they're not if you go into an open mic and you're like this is an open mic I know what to expect I'm really just doing it so I can get these words out of my mouth and I can practice it yes and I think that's fine but a lot of people are like well these people aren't laughing so it doesn't work the open mic can work the opposite though it can become very um incestuous yes where you then, become yeah. like a favorite on there yes and, and then you're stuck in that loop right and then you bomb in real, in, in the yeah. real, yes. I've had, 
I've had both. I've actually, actually would do good on the open mics and then stuff wouldn't work outside of it. But they were very accepting of me. But then it was like I didn't even have the setup or explain it. But they would just like the character. So, yeah, it's either one or the other. And it's, yeah. But it's, it's for me, it was just immediately to stand in front of people. Yes. Get it out. Try it. Try it. Yes. Try it. Now, here's what I want to ask you is also, is you're a woman. Oh, my God. Nobody knew that until this moment. <laughs> the transition was complete. <laughs> How do you feel? Do you feel... How do you do? You feel that you were overlooked as a woman. Is it a tougher road as a woman? Is how sexist is the business? How misogynistic is the business? Because if, you know, to set this up, as I, this is probably going to come off terrible. So get ready. I can't wait. Is you know, I think yo, if you, it'd be like this. Yeah, Jody. Yeah, she's cool. Jody. Jody is. Is like like I said, you're down to clown. You're down <laughs> for whatever to get it done, and so you're like, you are about, you're about success. You're about winning. You're also about being great, but you'll overlook a lot of foibles and such in people if for the bigger picture. And you would be considered. I don't want to say you're a guy's girl. You're just, but you're what we would, you know, a cool chick. Right. And thank you. But you know this, mm-hmm. you surround yourself with cool chicks and you, we could have conversations off mic that you're like, that's a little, you know, <laughs> so how do you feel? Like, do you feel that you were per- persecuted or what's the word? Like what should, do you feel that you were like oppressed as a woman? Mm-hmm. In the mic, was there enough opportunities for you? How was the sexual harassment with you, if there was any, mm-hmm. um, in in this world? You know, I I think for a long time, I definitely, and I still have moments of it where I was like, yeah, I was overlooked. I, for whatever reason, I've never heard you say that because you're a woman, though. Um, I've definitely heard you say like, yo, I fucking killed and blah, blah, blah. Right. And that, I mean, I don't know if it's because of a woman or not. I mean, this is what I, I mean, I've noticed this from a long, you know, for a long time is that, you know, women have, you know, there's less women on shows that, that, which, which sets up when people are like, women aren't as funny as men. And I'm like, no, the reason that you think that is because there's just less women performing. So if you go see a show where there are 10 comics, seven are guys, three are women, two of the women were like, eh, that one woman was hilarious. Three, four of the guys were like, eh, but three of the guys were hilarious. You're still going to walk out of there thinking guys are funnier because you saw more of them. It's a subconscious thing. You're not, it's also like, you know, ingrained in our brains that the men are the more like, like you just said, like, you know, like quirky guy with a hot woman, you know, the Chevy chases, like, that's Mm -hmm. just what we, you know, the Charlie Chaplins and women are just like objects and like, we're not supposed to be funny and we're supposed to just be seen and not heard. And, Mm -hmm. And that's sort of ingrained through, you know, like pop culture. So there's, you know, there's definitely a lot of that. So I don't know if I, I think I, I think for a long time, yeah, I thought like, why aren't they looking at me? Like, what am I not doing right? Why, what do I, what do I need to do as a woman? And yes, there was some sexual harassment. I think I, I definitely put off an air of like, 
don't fuck with me. But having said that, I would go on the road and so-and-so would be like, oh, yeah, um, they didn't give us enough money for two different rooms. You've told me yes. this. Tell, tell like, the audience this story. I mean, I've a never, lot of women have had that I've never heard this. Until I yep. heard it from you, and then I've heard it from like three other female Yeah, because it, it would happen a lot. I've Guys would be like, hey. I've never seen this. So tell the story. So you go on the road. Well, a guy would say, hey, do you want to open for me, or do you want to do a guest spot? You know, we're going to go, like, you know, we're going to go on a travel run, which I, for those of you who don't know what that is. Yeah, that's that dude who does all the one-nighters. Right, right. All over, you know, the Northwest. And yeah. like, yeah. And it's a good way to like work the road and work out your stuff. It's a lot of bar shows. Yes, a lot of bar shows. Um, So... You, you agree to do that because you want the stage time. You want to get up. And then, the you know, you think this is great. He's taking me on the road. He's acting pretty cool. He's not, like, expecting anything. And then while you're in the car, he's like, oh, yeah, um, we got to share a room. Like, you're already, like, I'm like, what? He's like, well, they didn't give us enough money for two rooms. And it's like, that's information that you should have told me before. But a lot of people are like, okay, I don't want to piss this person off because then he's going to tell people that I sucked on the road. It's like, it's it's terrible. It's definitely a terrible mentality. I think I was... Very fortunate that I came away relatively unscathed in that, but I definitely had moments where after I did a show with someone, someone would walk me to my car and they would just go to kiss me. And it was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So the person that you were opening for yeah. would try to like give yeah. you a kiss. Yes. Hardcore. Hardcore kiss. Like tongue down throat. <laughs> well, I don't think it ever got that far, but I'm assuming. So then you just went. Mm. Sometimes I ended up make you know doing that kiss, that one kiss, and then I was like, you know, I just don't think that you know. And then you don't want to like, you don't want to bruise their ego. The fact that women have to think about this is disgusting. But we think to ourselves, how do I reject this person without hurting their ego, so they don't sabotage my career, and I can still get spots? Like you have to think like, I just I don't date comics, or I'm seeing someone, or I think you're amazing, but I don't want to ruin our friendship. The fact that we have to even come up with these things is disgusting. So I definitely went through that. I think by the time I got actually to- How did you get out of the, the neck when you saw the person the next show? I mean, you just act really cool and then you make sure that you're not like ever alone with- they, You know, they for me again, I was lucky that I was able to sort of navigate through those waters. How did you, did you have to do the one room thing? I only did it like I think once and, and then and then you learn from that opposite lesson. bed? Yes, there were actually two beds in there and nothing happened. So okay. it was fine. But I think I definitely- He was have, hoping though. I'm, well- I'm I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, look at me. Hey guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Jody's the only person who telling like a sexual harassment story still wants to be flirted with. I know, it's not weird. <laughs> so wait, so so yeah, you told me you came out relatively unscathed. Yeah. But you definitely had to do all these maneuvers to not get fucking Yeah. fucked up. Yeah. I mean, and what, yeah, what is the, what? See, and if that if you're saying that and that happens to you, and you're you know you're what I call a dab, you're a dab, you know, you're a down ass bitch, and ass bitch. and you're like a bottom bitch. You are the, and I don't mean bitch in a bad way, you know. You, Nobody meant bottom in a bad way. Bottom. Like I only have sex on the bottom. On the bottom, <laughs> but like you are like you're ride or die. You are that. So the fact that it's affecting. It's, listen, everyone's voice should be heard, but you know, there is an overcorrection, I believe. I believe too. And, but the fact that you're saying that, so I would start with you and work our way. Right. And so the fact, but like I said, you, you, like you said, have come out relatively unscathed. Yes. And obviously this shit, it exists. Yes. Um, 
have you, you've hooked up with audience members though. Yeah. I've actually not, I've only, you know, maybe hooked up with like a couple comics, you know, through the years, like hooked up, like mutual hookup. And I've definitely fucked lots of audience members. <laughs> For those of you out there right now. <laughs> I didn't know that was good. Well, hold well, on. I this mean, why is slow. that reserved only for male no, comics? It's not. <laughs> but here's what's thing is, is it? But you know what? Having said that, though, it's not. I haven't. I, it's, I've had to be the aggressor more in that situation because while a guy can come off stage, and I know you know, you have a gaggle of girls that are like, oh, my God, talk to me, sleep with me. And men actually shy away from a yes, female they comic. Yes, they, they it's do. not the same. Yes, so they do. I have. You like, had to go, Mama Pooh, Puma Bear. That's Mama right. Puma. Wait, so hold on, because there is a comic. I'm not gonna name her name, and she's hilarious. And she, she was like, "Oh, because I was on the road, and and then my poster was in the the, the green room, and I'm like, ooh, I see your poster, and I text her, and I'm like, blah blah blah." And I'm like, here you are. I go, you're not going on the road. She goes, I know. I gotta go on the fucking road. And she's like, I gotta make some extra money and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, this is good. I mean, like, comedy's thriving right now. And she goes, yeah, but, like, I go, and then I do my show, and I go to my room, and I guess I work on my emails and book and stuff and different things. And I was like, okay. She's like, it's not like I'm a male comic. She's like, you know, I'm not, like, looking for blowjobs. <laughs> she goes, it's not like a male. It's not like women, female comics are out there going, looking for guys to eat us out <laughs> after the show. And I just, I just... I cried with laughter, and and like I would definitely think she's probably more on the. That's the majority. Yes, like it's true. Like female comics go to do their shit. Yes. They're not saying they don't have desires and all this yes. stuff. But it's like you said, well, yeah, and I'm not yeah. saying you're out there looking no. for dudes either, but you're on the road, you're single, you're having a good time. Somebody's hitting on you. Yeah, you know, perks of the job. Yeah. So it's just refreshing to hear you say that. But there's also a lot of male comics that just go to their room, too. You know what I mean? Of course there are. Yes, of course there are. But, like, you know, and again, I'm not, like, yeah, I'm not in, you know, on stage, like, but scanning the audience like that, No, dude. but it's good to hear from a woman that you dip in that pool. I dipped. I dipped. You dipped. <laughs> oh, I? When I dip, you dip. You dip. Wait, I dip, you dip, we dip? So you'll have, so, you know, so, and did you enjoy it? Yeah. And you enjoy... It's interesting because they don't talk about this enough, about you basically have your own male groupies. Well, I mean, I guess it's, again, it's, it's, it's different. It's not every show. No. And for male comics, it is every show. You've got that group of girls. You can always tell it's like afterwards, you or know, if I was, one or that one, just like, like yeah. the bingo machine. It's just, exactly. You're like, that's the one. And it's a small town. <laughs> and it's two. And you're like, fuck yeah. No, the only way I would know is like, if after the show and you're taking pictures of people or they're buying your merch or something and it's usually a the guy lingerers. with his friends. Yes. Well, it's usually a guy and their friends or like yeah, a group of people like guys and girls and they, they're like, oh, we're going to this bar. Like you and I were in New York before the world shut down. Remember that? We were group? the last show we together. Were, we, were, with, yeah, we were in New this, York. We were at this stand. stand in New York City. That was our last club show. Yep. And that whole group was like, come on, party with us. Remember that? Yeah. That's how it starts. Yeah, but we were together. Doesn't matter. But I've been were, together. Yeah, with the, I've been together with other comics and then we all go oh. out. I don't, to be honest with you, it's, it would usually be like that. I'm not usually... I would usually go with 
my feature or if I was featuring my the headliner. We it's usually that type of like I'm not just gonna go out with a group of guys that I've never met before because you know of course. Exactly. But it's usually like, hey, we're all going next door to the bar or we're all hanging out and then, you know, one thing leads to another. But it's not like I think there's a lot of I'm sure there are a lot of men and women out there that perform that are like, you know, waiting to like who can I fuck tonight. It's usually like I think for male comics, too, I feel like a lot of them have sex with a lot of, like, people that work at the comedy clubs, right? It's the easiest. I mean, that definitely happens, but that's <laughs> that's a slippery slope. You yeah, know what because I mean? then if it doesn't end well, then you can never go back to that club, and then... I, I could... I don't know if this has happened to you, but, like, I've been in multiple comedy clubs, and I would even say on movie sets, but more comedy clubs, where I've had... I've had drunk women just come up and just grab my package. And it's, like, violating. And it only annoys me when it, like, squeezes. It's, like, because that, cause when you get that bruise, you're like, oh, like, fuck. But, like, that doesn't bother me as much as just, like, grabbing me and tugging on me, drunk sloppiness. And then the security guard can't do anything because you can't touch a patron. And I'm down, so I have to have my own security person. I'm like, hey, get off him. But like, and then I'm an asshole because I'm right. Hollywood because I'm not taking a picture. So, I mean, I could tell you stories. I mean, you know, drunk, yeah, women, yeah, women are aggressive, and and you know, it it was in the moment and it's gone. Yeah, but now that's five to ten. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like it's there's no. <sighs> I mean, it's forgiveness it's a fine of mistakes. Line. It's a fine line. I know, but I, I could say that it doesn't bother me because one of the reasons I got into this business is because I do love the attention. Right. And I love the love. And whether right. I'm fucked up or not, and I mistake that love is like love that I never got or whatever <laughs> it is. But like attention from women makes you feel more accomplished. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you're saying attention from people and men also probably makes you a little bit more accomplished. Of course. I mean, we are in this industry, so obviously we love attention. Thank and you. And especially with comics. I mean, there's not one comic out there that can't say that after a set, especially a set, well, no, either, any set, a set that you, th- you thought you killed or a set that you're like, eh, that was okay. There's, we've all waited outside, you know, after our spot to watch the people walk out just so they could be like, that was awesome. Great job. You were amazing. You're hilarious. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, waiting for people to leave and hearing all of that, you know what I mean? Validation. No, you're, I want to lap you up. That's what you're saying you wanted to hear. Lap you up. Lap you up. Think, think of the visual for that for a minute. I'm going to lap you up. Lap you up. Fucking. Um, but yeah, like we all, that's what we want. But I mean, I've never had a guy, I've, I've, no, I've never had a guy grab me. You know what I've had more of? You bring up other comics. I've had more of, in this industry, more like, let's take a business meeting. That's more that I've had a lot of those. I, I always have, tell yeah. women, don't fucking... Don't take a business meeting at ever. a bar. Don't take a ever. business. Don't take a dinner meeting. Ever. But you know what? When you're young, don't take a hotel meeting. Well, no, I haven't done that. But I've definitely ever. done. Well, I've a lot of people hour. have, and they were confused. I know. I. <laughs> Which is like I know. I've pe- done, yes. people on the Disney Channel. Thirteen year old girls are going. Don't go to the montage, idiot. Yeah. But like thirty year olds, it. That's. Look, I get it. I've I've been there, and then 
you know, I've also been there thinking, okay, how am I going to react if, if it's this way, if it's, you know. If- have you ever had people say, yo, you do this, I do that? No. And I used to have a joke about it. Which That's just fascinating. I haven't had that, but here's the thing. There's a part of me that wishes I did. I never had that opportunity <laughs> to make that decision. Like, I know that's they, the joke that I used to have. It's like let, let's stay right here. That's, that's yeah, I, used to, I used to do like an altar boy, and I yeah. and Dom Rivera had yeah. one similar. It was like I was never touched, which made me feel like I wasn't even cute. <laughs> it's exactly. It's like so I never I had, had that opportunity. It's like yeah. you know, if somebody said you will have a role in this movie if you sleep with me, I mean, there's that part of you that's like, I mean, okay, I've slept with people for less. Hold on, <laughs> wait. I love this. A lot it's less. Honest. So, okay. So you're saying you haven't had, so when I moved to LA, my mom, you know, didn't know and my dad didn't know, but basically trying to go to LA to be an actor is like the equivalent of saying you want to go to the moon. So, but there were five things like they knew about, like Disneyland. Well, I was going to say, (laughs) stop jumping the punch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Disneyland, Universal, Pink's. Hollywood Walk of Fame and the casting couch. Yep. Like the casting couch is just a universal thing of yep. like, you don't, you know what it is. You hear about it. You don't know the machinations of it. Right. You think it's an actual couch somewhere. Yes. <laughs> literally. But like, like I said, like I've had female producers flirt. Have actresses. You? Oh yeah. Big time. Gay guys flirt. All of this stuff. I've, 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 yeah. Def- oh, definitely. Females in power have, right. have flirted. And, I'm not mad about it, but <laughs> definitely I'm not saying I don't, it's, it's not nearly probably as pervasive as men, but right. I'm nothing bad because I'm a flirty guy. So, but they definitely were like, you know, I'm like a young little up and coming thing. Right. So long story short is that the casting couch, I have never seen that. Literally have never seen that. You, I, you hear the scumbags that do it you hear the rumors that do it i i know a couple of like producers like you hear girlfriends that get the one line or something like that you do see that but it's just like oh that guy's girlfriend and she's trying to be an actress whatever like it's his girlfriend in terms of like a producer goes suck my doodle and get a line. No one's ever said that. Exactly. And, I, and I've and i never seen that in the clubs. I know people sleep together in bookers. I'm sure yeah, it's definitely, definitely happened. Like, that definitely happened. I mean, it's, it definitely happened. But you're yeah. saying, so you've never had that experience. So no. let's say a director said, lick my balls, get the roll. I wanted it to rhyme. Okay. I know. Lick, lick my, my ball, stick. Lick my stick, get the... You're the top pick. Yeah, lick my stick. And you're the top pick. And you're the pick. So wait, what is the role? Here you go. All. all right. It is It is a guest star, Grey's Anatomy, 2008, when the series was super hot. It's still hot now. Guest star, like one line, five no, no, lines no, no, or no. less. You're the whole, you're the second, um, you're the arc, like and you're arc. dying of terminal. Like you got, ova- like a really you big got ovarian. It's a pretty big one. You got like an ovarian cyst. And I just have to like Is lick it-, it. No, you got to go down on them. I got to, I got to bring it yeah. to completion. Yeah. I mean, you're asking, 
2021 Jody. You know, I don't know what 2008 Jody would have done. You know what I mean? 2021 Jody would be like, you but, can take your dick and stick it up your ass. Yes, but yes. you said you wish you had that opportunity. See, but that's what I mean. I, I, I never had that option. It was not even an opportunity before I start getting all the hate. It's, uh, it just wasn't an option. And I don't know how I would react. I really don't. Do you know what I mean? And I, I only know how I'd, re- I'd react now. I mean, again, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing: is that I never thought you needed to do any of that, and I don't, and I don't think you have to. But I do know. I mean, I don't know, but there's some very pervasive rumors of yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. I know them too. You know. And you know what? They sleep just fine at night. So if they do, then why should I judge, think? I don't, I mean, I don't condone any of that. But let's just, let's be real though. There are, there is compliance within the system. Yes. That make it. Would you say this? I'm sure there there are women, Would you say there are women that make the Me Too work for them? Uh, and I'll I mean, edit anything out you don't want before I we would, go into this. I would honestly, I that would be ridiculous if I said no. There's no way. Of course, there there have to be. It's just human nature. I'm sure there are women. It sucks that they would do that. And that's actually when when everything started coming to light, which I'm so glad it did because mm-hmm. those people. It's it's disgusting, you know, what they did for so long, and there are so many more, you know. And by the way, yes, women, you talk about women flirting with you, but there are a lot of women in power that have abused that power too. But having said that, I thought right away there will be women that will definitely accuse people who did nothing wrong just so they can, you know, capitalize on it. And it's gross, but that's human nature. So it's like— But how do you feel about when someone is accused and they don't— have the actual there's no facts it's just hearsay and the court of public opinion dismisses that person. well i don't yes yeah, that's the thing too it's like we're because that's where we're at yes i know it's immediately you're canceled everybody gets canceled for doing anything especially that there's no let's get to the bottom of it and see what actually happened and that's unfortunate but that's of course i mean we're it's just history repeating itself look at the salem witch trials look at like i mean that's what we do you know it's 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 just human nature to, you know what I mean? Like to automatically you're guilty until proven. And it's just like, you're already convicted. You know what I mean? So. But it's a scary time. It is scary. It's a scary time. Like I'm, I'm not even going to name names, but I know a woman who started. It's not really talked about, but she was, she started as an assistant mm-hmm. and she'd worked all her way up to a super high position in this town mm-hmm. And she got canceled because a bunch of a, a very bad article was written about her. And I don't know what was true. I don't know what, what wasn't. But she was a tough, progressive woman mm-hmm. who got to the top of a mountain that is dominated by men. Mm-hmm. And they threw her out. I mean, look, I, there's a lot of behavior I don't condone. And... I'm not talking about like sexual deviancy or even, you know, 
I'm talking about people just being straight up assholes and treating other people like garbage. And yes. I think that's terrible. That's and, fucking and yes, terrible. It's terrible. I've been on the receiving end of it. I it's I see that more than the other shit. It's just the assholery it's, is yes, the biggest is, problem. Seriously, watch the swimming. Assholery. Watch swimming, swimming with, with sharks. sharks is a documentary. It is basically. Yeah. It's a fucking documentary. It's I saw it before I even moved out to LA. I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I like ran into these assholes and experienced it. And that is you know, mind fuckery at its best. You know what I mean? It's like you're an abusive relationship and you're doing it because you know the reward at the end of it is a you know brand new car or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just it's you don't even realize you're in the middle of it until you're in the middle of it. And yeah, I see that a lot more and hear about that, you know, a lot more. I do agree with like, yeah, just somebody coming out with a blanket statement about X, Y, and Z and then that X, Y, and Z is canceled and then no more of that. You know what I mean? I don't agree with that culture. But but do you understand that, and I'm talking to you because you're you, and then you and I have a good connection. Yeah. Like, I love you. Until I come out tomorrow and I'm like, Jamie Kennedy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> he tried to lap me up. <laughs> From across the room. But, like, you and I tell each other pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And you saw what happened yesterday. You know, I'm not going to get into politics, but they took a sitting president Mm -hmm. off of social media and certain people associated with him. Mm -hmm. I personally, whatever you believe, and I'm not, I don't believe with his politics. I believe I'm a moderate person. You know, I believe I'm in the middle. Uh, I think that, that, (laughs) that's not going to bode well for us. Because when they don't like your joke, right. it's hate speech right, or it's sexist. We've already seen this in the clubs. You're much more apt to, to push your joke to the place where the audience will go and you go, really? Really? Like, I've right. seen you comment on it. Yeah. How do you feel this is going to affect what we're doing? I think, and I agree with the whole, you know, silencing, you know, people or canceling them for x y and z like the whole thing with roseanne when that happened with roseanne my whole thing was was like i'm not saying i by any you think roseanne should get another shot yeah here's she's the thing. one of our heroes here's the thing yeah roseanne is a said, legend if she had said what she tweeted on stage at the comedy store at midnight it would have been people would have people would have been like oh fuck her or either they would have been like fuck her or fuck you or they would have laughed or they would have groaned or whatever but because she did it on that platform she gets fired she gets canceled she's untouchable and it's like the same thing you know on the other side with kathy griffin she also just got like everything got canceled from her everything so it's really hard because you know i'm not saying these jokes are good or tasteful or appropriate but they have the right to do that and roseanne is someone who grabbed her crotch singing the national anthem nobody doesn't know who roseanne is so for them to now like turn on and that's an old reference i'm sorry that i'm like bringing that up but i think with the president of the united states that's a little bit different and he has a long history of this type of stuff and it's i don't i think it's a little bit different i understand what you're saying but in this case it is on the verge it's it's on the verge of creating a civil war and that's it's 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 slightly different because people died and it's only the tip of the iceberg and those people you know I, what I mean. Everything you're saying, I agree with. But what I'm trying to tell you is this: is that it's like where does it start? Where well, does it end? Well, yes, and you have 77 million people right. that now feel their silence right. that you have to share the country with. 
No, and I you understand. don't know how much is in the silent majority. And that's going to create... The minute you take away someone's thing... I agree. They're going to get crazy. I know. It's we're our whole world, and especially our country, is like going through the biggest transformation, you know, probably since the Civil War. And it's... Bigger than the 60s, I wonder. I think bigger. I think, it, uh, like, a version of it, but I think bigger. It's really scary and... But I think and necessary how we're gonna come. I don't. Who the fuck knows how we're gonna come out of this? It's 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 frightening as fuck. Do you think that Hollywood is going to be so liberal that if you do, I mean, it kind of already is. If you mm-hmm. show any kind of conservative values or whatever they think a conservative is, you're fucking out. I don't know. I maybe I don't know because I know- think what I am and you are is common sense. And you'll look at a, a liberal and go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, oh my God. We uh, have to say ah, man and ah, woman now? Jesus. That's real, by the way. I, or we look I at know. a right winger and go, you know what? I like that tax plan. Oh, Jesus. You're against gay marriage? You're an idiot. Okay, so, so this it's is, like, I agree with you. And this is what I think, I think, to be honest with you, I was thinking about it when I was reading some stuff about it yesterday, is that it? this might actually, in a weird way, be a good thing. And let me explain, because I've, Said before, and so, I don't, and I don't really so get into muting, politics. Muting a sitting president might be a good thing. No, from no, no, Jody no, no. <laughs> Oh my God, that's it. Jody's canceled. Um, You're not. He'd be hero. For um, okay, this is what I think. Um, our country is so divided. Obviously, more divided. Super. More divided than it's ever been, and it really started right when Obama was elected, and it's only gotten obviously worse as far as the two sides. I mean, I, I thought really, it, I thought Obama people liked that and the country was in a better place. I was actually at that time hosting a show that was more right wing than, and I'm not a conservative at all, just so you know, but it was a pop culture show. And a lot of those people were right. that were Republican. And, well, like and, uh, would you say what? You don't want to say the show. No, it's an internet show. It doesn't matter. I mean, people, you can find it if you want, really want to Google it. It's really literally just, you know, pop culture and some references to like, you know, uh, Obama walking into a glass window, like when he did that, whatever. It's It was very harmless, but I really got to see how divided and what they thought of Obama. And it was really like a lot of things I refused to say because it was really, you know, it was conflicting with like with my beliefs, but Here's the thing, and I definitely think I'm more on the moderate side, but it's like you couldn't be. You had to, like, pick a side. The country got so divided. It was no longer Republicans and Democrats. It was just left and right and, like, liberal and conservative, and it was, like, it got really aggressive really quickly. And it's it used to be you could have a discussion with someone, you know, that was a Republican and you were considered a Democrat, but you could talk about stuff and it wouldn't end in like a fist fight, a gunshot, a like, I'm never talking to you again. You weren't cutting people out of your life. And what's happening now is a lot of Republicans are consider like they're questioning their party as a whole because of what's happening. And these are people that, you know, I think whether the Republican party is completely, you know, sort of, you know, redone, you know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but they sort of like, you know, revamped, revamped, or they start their own party. And we, you know what I mean? And like the people that are like extremists go off. I think getting back to a place because nothing gets done if you can't have both sides communicating with each other. So you're never going to get anywhere. You're spent, we spent four years 
just fighting, you know, we spent eight years fighting, like eight years, you know, people were fighting Obama on everything and then four years fighting Trump. It's like nothing gets done because all we're doing is trying to change the power in in the Capitol. So nothing's really getting done and everything that did get done is getting undone. And it used to not be like that. You could have discussions, you could have open discussions that would lead to actual change. That's what this country is known for, democracy and the sides coming together and working together to change it. And that's not happening and it hasn't happened for a long time. So maybe it's a good thing that that either parties sort of revamp and, and are get to a better place and get and weed out the people that are extremists I agree. They should have much more than two parties, though. Yeah, I agree we with that, too. Like You're parties. right. But do you understand that CNN, what they're doing right now? No, what? They're doing a, a push to get Fox News taken off the air. Oh, I did read that. That's aggressive. That's insane. That's insane. It's basically saying, I'm cutting out your tongue. It's really aggressive. And it's also, it's like, I don't like your jokes. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to perform at this club. Okay. Like what, what, I mean, unless you're doing something illegal or hate, hate. Right. I don't know why people can't have their I speech. Also, I don't know. I agree with that. But also, do you remember though? And I specifically remember this because my major was... My major was broadcast journalism. The news outlets were like completely, you know, non-biased. They were just telling yeah. the facts. There was no side. You know what I mean? So, Jim Brewer does a good thing he had on his Instagram. He says programs. Their news program, like they're programming oh, yes. you. We, it's, yes. It's all Yes, but it used to not be that. They were just reporting on what's happening and there were no opinions. Yes. And it was no... And then and then it slowly went to the opinion of this broadcaster does not reflect, you know, X, Y, and Z. Because then it was an opinion show mm-hmm. on a network. And then the opinion show became the whole network. And then and then it branched off. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's just crazy. It's just crazy times. That's what it is. I know, but I don't see an end to it. I have another question for you then. Did you guys catch that? Did you guys catch that? Did anyone catch it? Anyway. I got called a mansplainer. Oh, were you mansplaining to someone? What is mansplaining? It's, well, I'm going to mansplain to you. actually real? I'll I'll mansplain to you right now. Jamie. Uh Uh-huh. Mansplaining is when a guy is like, Really breaking it down, breaking down something to a woman so that she can understand it. <laughs> See, he's, oh yeah, they said condescending. Yeah. But here's the thing. <laughs> that was obviously clear. And I think sometimes people are just insecure. So, <laughs> like, I wasn't like that. I think they were a little insecure, but you okay, weren't like, okay, so this is how we program the GPS, Jody. I'm going to put it into this. That's like your man's planning it to me. Oh God! You but did, I could, didn't you? You're saying, "Oh God," because now you're. I think it was half and half. <laughs> I think I probably was, but it was like something was so obvious, and I was like, "And they're a little insecure." But okay, okay, all right. Now you're a single woman, and you never been married. No. And you might get married one day. Who knows, right? Yeah, hopefully. And, or just spend the rest of my life with somebody. And Great. do you think that marriage? Do you, because you're an independent person, 
I don't want to say you're an independent woman because that's just like I'm not. I'm just trying to make you a person. Do you think that as a woman and you're successful, that you don't? I don't. This is so stupid. Do you think that society teaches you to need a man, and as a woman, and because you do your own thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's society that does. I guess it comes from society, but like, you know. My mom, you know, after my parents got divorced, you know, my dad got remarried, you know, several years later. My mom never did. My mom was definitely a good example of, like, you don't need a man. I don't think I ever felt like I needed a man for anything. I remember a lot of my friends when I would be like, you know, why am I still single? Why can't I, like, you know, find somebody that I can date? And they would be like, well, because you don't, you you have this, like, subconscious, like, you have this like thing that you're sending out to everyone that's like, I don't need a man. And so I definitely heard that a lot. Like I'm not vulnerable enough or I'm not like, you know, I'm not letting someone take care of me. Like I'd be like, why does this girl just like walk into a room and every guy's attracted to her? And it's, and they're like, cause you're sending out the signals. Like, I don't need you. Like I can do it on my own. So it's like, I mean, I do believe in like having, but you love men. It's interesting. You're not a man. Um, hater no not at all you love men but you're also i don't want to say tough but you're like hey i can fucking do it myself i can because i have because i had to because i had to for a long period of time and it is hard to sort of like snap out of it and let somebody do it's it is like if you believe in that and and i do believe in having like a good balance for both men and women between your feminine side and your masculine side and i definitely come from a more masculine side which is actually why i am attracted to feminine men like oh, just, you like a little cuck. I like I like pretty boys. Like I used to have a joke about like I like pretty boys. Like if you're one hormone away from a teenage girl, I'm in. Like that's like <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I was like I'm I've I've always been attracted to guys that not not guys who aren't manly, but guys that like just had a feminine that were in touch with their feminine side. That because I I definitely who have, may also like a, a baby Hermes. <laughs> no, uh, I mean not that there's anything wrong with that. I just like. Like, I, I definitely have a more, like, yeah, masculine energy. So, like, obviously I'd be attracted to a guy that has feminine energy because it's the yin and the yang. But also I do know that, you know, when you have been single for a long period of time, you can sort of get in that rut of, like, not letting anyone in and putting up walls. And I think I've, I've definitely had that, like, a protective layer of, like, don't fucking hurt me, don't do this, I don't want to get sidetracked. And that's, it's served its purpose and then it's not served its purpose. And, you know, it's more about, like, I don't know. Nobody needs to have anyone in their life. I want to have someone in my life. I want to share, you know, the best of times and the worst of times. I mean, honestly, when I realized my mom was dying, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you had this thought when your parents passed, but I remember thinking, and I don't know if you were with someone at the time, but I remember thinking, I'm going to have to go through my mom's death alone. And it was really upsetting. Like, I didn't have a partner. I had my friends, and they were amazing. And I had my other family, and they were amazing. But I didn't have that person. You have person. a brother? Yeah, I have a brother. But it's different. I didn't have that intimate. Like, I didn't have a partner that was like, we're going to go through this together. So it's not just, like, sharing, like, oh, my God, I got on America's Got Talent. Like, oh, my God, we're watching this together. I'm celebrating that. But it was also, like, we're there together during the really – the shittiest time of our life. Mm-hmm. You, it's to have somebody there who's just like loves you and knows you. It's, you know, I talked about this recently with someone. I had a realization 
after doing shrooms, I highly recommend it. A lot of people are doing shrooms during this thing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I did shrooms before. I'm all about plant-based medicine, but that's a whole other podcast. But I mean, I had a realization. So cocaine is plant-based? I think so. Yeah. No, we're good with that. Um, I had a realization that, and sort of a breakdown, that I, there's a part of me that is terrified that when my dad does pass away and, you know, talking to someone who's lost both his parents, like that will be the, the last person that loved me unconditionally. Like our parents love us unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And when you lose a parent, you don't even realize that that love is gone until they're gone. And it left a giant hole where I didn't have a partner or a child or another person in my life to sort of fill that, that hole in your heart. And then I'm terrified that when my dad goes like, those are the two people that loved me and have known me the longest and they're gone and they're just gone and I'll never have that love again. And it was a really scary like thought. And, you know, I, I'm glad I had it because it was pushed deep down and I wanted to work through that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I know some people out there are like, well, wow, my parents never loved me unconditionally. So I, I know that it was a, I was definitely blessed to have parents that loved me unconditionally and always would be there for me. You know what I mean? No, first of all, that's incredible. How old is your dad? 78. So, so for me, um, I would say that, you know, the, for me, the first one was the hardest because you, you lose a parent. I'm one of six kids. Mm -hmm. There's a big gap between me and my sister so I was almost like almost like an only child a little bit. Yeah, and I was I was always felt like I was an add on and there was like two families. Um and my parents lived a long time. I mean and they died very slowly, you oh. know. I mean my dad was eighty six and my mom was just about ninety and they died through the years. So I got a lot of time with them. Right. And you know, my mom said distinct to me she's like we give you roots and wings mm. you know yeah and and so oh that's beautiful it was and i and i my my family fights a lot mm -hmm. but the deaths brought us together right and so we're actually closer now right my brother and my sisters and and i would say yes everything you're saying is what you're saying i you know everyone has different relationships with their parents but <sighs> It's hard. It's Just take, enjoy them while they're here and time does heal all wounds because I'm feeling much more comfortable right. with it. And I feel like my parents did what they did. They put me out in the world yes. and I got to spend a lot of time with them and them enjoying my success. So I've been very fortunate. Yes. And that, I think I have, I think that comes up a lot too, that my mom didn't get to see a lot of what I'm doing and won't get to see the next chapter of my life. And, and it's there's a saying too that you're like you're never truly an adult until your parents are gone you know what i mean mm, i never heard that but yeah, it's true but it's true it's right true. you know what i mean because i feel that way i feel half i feel half of that do you know what i mean like yeah. i know i still have my dad god forbid you know he's he's there i can you know what i mean i can turn to him it's very you're very t you're super tight with your father you and know. and I was close with my mom in a different yes. way, you know what I mean? And it's, you know, my mom wasn't my best friend. She was my mom. We had a mother-daughter relationship. And I rolled Your dad my, and you were Well, yeah, friends. we're very close, yes. We're, we're, we're very close because we're very similar. Mm. But, I mean, 
it's it's just it's crazy because my mom's been gone now seven years and it still hits you like a ton of bricks every once in a while you know what I mean it's actually crazy how much I think about my mom every day still it's I never thought about her that much you know, when she was alive, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think about my mom so many times a day still that it's, it's fucking nuts that how much of my brain she occupies still. And I'm sure she's up there. Like that's her master plan. Of course she's like, yeah. Um, Do you feel guilty or you just think of her? Oh, I don't feel guilty. Um, I think of her just all the time. Um, I, I, I went through a phase where I felt guilty every once in a while. I have a little bit of that. I'm sorry sort of guilt feeling like I wish I gave you a grandchild. I wish you saw me get married. I wish there was a part of me that was like, wow, I was so selfish with wanting this career and you know, that I didn't do this. She never made me feel that way. So it's something that I brought on myself, which I'm aware of, but and I think you and I have talked about that. Like if you felt that guilt that your parents, mm-hmm. you know, I know your parents were, or you have siblings that have children. So they got to experience being a grandparent, but mm-hmm. you know, I have that guilt of my mom didn't, and she would have been a, an amazing grandmother. Having said that my mom made the choices that she made as far as like how she took care of her health. And I do believe that she, you know, could have lived a lot longer if she didn't, you know, suffer from depression, if she didn't, you know, if she took, was more proactive with her health and yeah. Well, the depression she can't control. But no, of course. No, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just she be a little more bit. Healthier. Yes. You know, you and Melissa McQueen were like the first two people that I saw when my mom died. I know. I'll never forget it. Yeah. I can't believe that you were on the show that when that, I was like, oh my God, what are you doing here? Because I remember that like feeling of like, I almost didn't do it, but like I knew that she was going to go and and then I had to go back, but it was like in the process of getting it all done. So I was like, let me just finish my shows and then go back. And I hate to say it, but it was very cathartic. Oh, I was you, you guys were beautiful to me, but also doing that show was, I know I was doing a lot of stand up when my mom was dying. Like her hospital was right across the street from at the time it was catch uh, in in Catch Rising Star in Reno, yeah, it was Catch in Reno, oh. and um, now it's a Laugh Factory. Well, now it's nothing, but you know what I mean. Um, but uh, it was right across the street, and they were great. I literally would call them up and be like, because I was flying out there every Monday and coming back to LA on Thursday because I had the C word on Thursdays. So while I was at the hospital, they would let me stop in and do guest spots. Remember Vicky Barbalack was there one week and they were like, yeah, come and do a guest spot. In I, Reno? In Reno, because my mom was in Reno. Oh, so wow. I was really fortunate. I needed to be on stage performing because that's the only time you're not thinking about your parent dying in a bed or the fact that your parent just died. It was the only time I wasn't thinking about it was when I was on stage because you're thinking about your jokes and telling, you know, jokes. And my mom died and I had a headlining gig that it was a corporate and I canceled everything else. I didn't cancel that because it was two weeks after my mom died because it was for the cancer society and my mom died of cancer and I felt like I needed to do it. But... And it definitely felt good to be there. Having said that, I don't remember those. I think I did only 45 minutes. I think I was supposed to do like, you know, maybe an hour, but I think I did 45. I'm not even sure, but I I don't remember it really. I don't, I actually don't remember a lot of that year, to be honest with you. I Mm -hmm. remember month nine specifically because, you know, it comes and goes, it comes and goes, you know what I mean? You have waves of it. And I remember month nine, I was with Bobby 
Lee and we were in Washington, uh, Washington, D.C. at the improv. And um, it was on Mother's Day weekend. And I specifically took I took mm. that. I was born on Mother's Day weekend. It mm. like so I took it because it was my birthday weekend and it was Mother's Day and I wanted to be performing. And it was the first year. So it was nine months. I remember I checked into the hotel. It's nine months. I had already dealt with a lot, you know what I mean? But I remember I checked in the hotel. I went upstairs and I grabbed my phone to call my mom to tell her I got there because I always told my mom when I got, like if I was on the road, when I checked in. And I'd been on the road prior, the, you know, during those nine months. But for some reason, I just picked up my phone. It was just habit. And it hit me again like a ton of bricks that my mm. mom is dead. And I fucking threw my phone across the room. And then I thought, now I have to get a new phone. Like, I was so angry. I was so like, oh, like, I just broke my phone. Um, but I was really, and, wow. and I was performing that whole weekend. Great shows. Great fucking shows. And I was doing the same kind of joke in the beginning because I was like, oh, you took your mommy for Mother's Day weekend. And, I was, and then I would, like, make a joke, and it was totally fine, and it was Mother's Day. And I looked at these two women, and I was like, oh, did you bring your mom for Mother's Day weekend? She's like, yeah. I was like, and, and something like it was the first time in all of the shows, there was what six shows that weekend that it really, I actually went blank. That's what happened. I went blank on my next joke or what I was going to say. And I could, I actually almost felt tears coming up. And I, I think mm. I like completely did a hard right and went to a joke that was, I was going to do later. It, I just immediately went to a joke that had nothing to do. I think people were probably like, what did she do? And I just started talking about something else just so that I could like forget about that. And I don't think I looked back at those two people again <laughs> for the rest of the night because something about that mother-daughter triggered me and I was like, don't look at them, just do other jokes. And it was, you know what I mean? So that first year was such a haze looking back on it. So I know what wow. you were there because you needed it. It is cathartic, but also you're in a state of like, it's your brain is only doling out, I think, so much. You're, well, like I said, I knew it was going to happen. It was going for years and... I had flown back multiple times because I thought it was going to be that time. Right. And then I had that same moment where I did three shows at night at each club. I did improv. You saw me at the store. Mm -hmm. And then I went and closed the factory. And at the end of my set, I started to cry, but the audience didn't notice it. And then I ended it with a laugh and I got off. And then I went outside and just cried a little bit. And then I did feel better. And I just... I will say this to anybody listening for, you know, time heals. It does. And I was very fortunate because I got, I, you know, the use out of my parents. Right. They had lived a long You life. had used them up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking used them right up. So I just fucking milked them. We milked, milked them. Milked them dry. <laughs> to the last. You were like, all right, I've gotten everything I've got. See, here's the thing, people. We can make fun of our dead parents because yes. we, they're dead. And and by the way, it's. I feel like that's the way you actually do work through it is with humor. Yeah, you do. I talk about my, my you know, my dead mom, and like I have a joke about it, and a lot of people react strongly to that. They every get time very. I say it. They you get have very, a great joke, yeah. and then you go, "She's not here." Yeah, like not laughing is not going to bring her back. back and, it's not. It's also like you know. It's, I see that people get more offended for your mother's Exactly. Ghost. I'm like, exactly. And by the way, my mom definitely is in my house all the time. I feel her a lot. She scares the shit out of my cat. There's definitely, she's like, lets me know that she's around. I can feel her. It's it's bizarre. And it's great. And it's comforting. And I have her ashes. Well, I have half of them because my brother has the other half. But I definitely, I asked for more. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when my mom 
my mom, we knew she, when she was going to die because we were taking her off of, you know, her ventilator. Um, she wasn't unconscious, though, FYI, mm. but we knew that when it was going to happen. So we went, me and her friend, to the funeral home to sort of set everything up. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I don't know what state I'm in. Like, you have to have these things prepared. And I, you know, my brother had gone back to Jersey, so I was there. And it's funny because I'm sure the funeral director was, I I remember his reaction being, you know, very taken back. But, you know, as a comic, you know, even when we're in so much pain, mm-hmm. we still see those windows of, like, time to make a joke. And it just, it helps. It really helps. And I remember him saying, asking about my mom and any surgeries. And I'm like, she had a hip replacement. And he's like, is it titanium? And I said, yes. And he said, because my mom was getting cremated. And he said, well, that won't, that won't burn. So would you like your mother's hip? And it was, I'm like crying. And he said that. And I go, oh my God. I go, do people take the hip? And he goes, yeah. Some people make golf clubs out of it. I go, I don't golf. I go, is there any other option? Like, I was. This is terrible. Like, so what did you do? What is the joke? I I just looked at him. I go, do you want my mother's hip? I go, what am I supposed to just keep it at home? And then when I bring dates over, I'm like, and this is my mom's hip. And he was so like, and I'm like laughing. I go, it's fine. You can laugh. And then again, when I said to him, he's like, so you're going to be splitting the ashes. And I said, yes. And I go, like, I, again, my tears were coming down. I said, yes. And then I go, and he goes, it's you and your brother. I go, yeah. And I go, can you give me more? And he starts laughing. But he, he didn't know to laugh. I go, no, I'm serious. Like, just like 55% more. <laughs> and, and he, and I go, it's okay. You can laugh. And it was very funny. Uh, it, it was definitely very funny. You need those moments. It's like levity. It's like people that watch that movie, you know, Steel Magnolias when Sally Field has that brilliant moment where she's screaming because she lost her daughter and then she just is like, it's, you know, you need that moment of like just breaking that tension and Olympia Dukakis breaks out. You know, I just want to hit something and she's like, hit her. It's so fucking funny. You need it. And you get through the pain, I, I think, with laughter, in mm-hmm, my opinion. Mm-hmm. So talking about my mom dying is, you know, and therapeutic. Is, yeah, and it's a part of the system. It's a part of your life. We all you, die. You, you, it's, it's, it happens. And, you know, I believe that when we go into our next consciousness, you're going to see them again. That's a whole other podcast. I know, but you guys should watch Surviving Death on Netflix. So good. Really? It's about that. It's about all that stuff. I got to watch it. Okay. Yeah. I want you. This yes. has been amazing. This has been amazing. Did you have a good time? That's such a good time. Um, I forgot that we were doing a podcast. <laughs> I know. Did you hit the hit, hit them with your socials? All right, guys. Tell us what you're doing. It's Jody Miller comic across the board. Mm-hmm. Jody with an I, Jody Miller comic. Um, follow me. Uh, also listen to my podcast. Don't call me ma'am. Jamie's on two episodes. Um, don't call me ma'am. And yeah, follow me and also tell them your show. She's the host of worlds. I'm the host of the world's funniest weather mm-hmm. and there are new episodes happening right now. So you can watch it every Sunday, check your local listings or it's always on the weather channel as well. So it's on the weather channel and it's syndicated. So check your local local listings. Funny you should ask is on everywhere. I still get people see it all the time. Jamie's on a million episodes. I'm on some episodes. It's my, a really funny show. My audience loves the weather channel. Okay. <laughs> no, but funny you should ask is on like yes. just yes. Please and watch we need funny to you should go, ask. In fact, somebody showed me 
the Louie commercial, me and Louie. Oh, my God. Those are so great. And I never saw them. I know. They're so great. I know. So, I mean, the show will come back. Hopefully, let's, you know, pray for the spring, summer. Uh, Funny you should ask if everybody starts a campaign. Yes. Bring it back. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming to my garage. Oh, God. I've actually been here the whole time. You didn't know it, though. In my closet. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.